Hey, y'all. That's my best Southern speech as a, as a Yankee, but it's about as good as it gets. Um, it's really good to be here. Um, I am really grateful uh, to know Elliot. He is um, just um, a good guy to know and, uh, and actually don't know his wife and family yet, but they're probably great to know. Amanda's really great to know, and um, my wife and I um, have been living in Nairobi, Kenya for, for um, two and a half years before we came back to the States in March, and we got to just go back there. Um, uh, we got back last week. We were there for a couple weeks and just kind of reconnecting with the church I pastored, and uh, Robin started a project to employ women. Uh, she's a designer and she designs beautiful products and um, and so we got to go back and have lots of meetings and lots of meals and lots of shopping. She loves to shop um, for katenge and other African fabrics and so we had a great time sitting in traffic. If you've been to Nairobi, you know you've got to sit in traffic and uh, almost getting arrested twice on the first day we were there. Um, in, in Nairobi, you don't get tickets, you get arrested. And um, what the police are really looking for are bribes, of course. And so as a pastor, I can't bribe the guy, so I have to plead for mercy. And um, so God was good, and I didn't have to spend any time in jail for my wife taking off her seatbelt right in front of a policeman to pick something up, you know, on the floor and boom, you know, he flags us over. And then later in the day, we're merging into traffic. And again, they flag me over and they want to take us into the, uh, into the police station. And please, I'm a, I'm a Muchangaji, that means shepherd. And please, you know, have mercy. And so they let us go. Anyway, God's good. Um, but I, I was brought up Jewish. Uh, uh, Elliot was saying that there's kind of a lot that's in my life. And when I think of it, it's really true. Once I was a Jew, now I'm a Gentile. No, wait, I'm a Christian. No, I'm not a Gentile. Um, we have been Northerners, now we're Southerners. Um, I've been a Charismatic, now I'm a Presbyterian. I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, all these, you know, shifts in life and the truth is, is that God's had, once I was a drug addict, now I'm not. Um, there's just been a lot of shifts in life. And really through it all, God has been directing me to really a place of safety. And we live in a world where there's not a lot of safety, is there? Um, there's a lot of darkness. There's um, th- threats Within and there's threats without, aren't there? And you guys as a campus know that all too well. Um, just coming off a terrible thing last week. And um, in Kenya, while we were there, we, um, we almost were at the mall that was attacked by the uh, terrorists three years ago. Um, we were scheduled to meet friends at an art cafe, it's called, and... Uh, and just for some reason, we just changed to another art cafe, and um, there was a terrorist attack there. And um, and not only is there darkness and brokenness in the world, but there's dark. Uh, there's brokenness in our own lives, isn't there? And um, just get to know me 
and you'll see um, how much darkness can be in one person's life or our brokenness. But, um, you know, it sometimes feels like there's nothing more powerful than darkness and sin. Can anybody relate to that? Just kind of that feeling of insecurity in this world. You know, and I was just thinking, just as we were worshiping a minute ago, that what did it mean to be a savior? You know, for Jesus to be a savior, it meant that he ran towards the darkness. And what does it mean for us to be Christians? Um, It means for us to run towards the brokenness and towards the darkness rather than away from it. Um, But um, we need power to do that. And I feel very weak. I don't know about you. Um, but Jesus has promised us power in Luke ten seventeen to 72. Return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall hurt you. And then before Jesus ascended to the Father, this is what he told his disciples in Luke twenty four forty six. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day raise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. And the apostle wanted us to know just how much power that we have been given um, in Ephesians. Um, he prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be um, enlightened to understand what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is the very power that Jesus has given us. Um, And if you're like me, I know what you're thinking. Where's the power in my life, right? Anybody? (laughs) Here's one, one taker. (laughs) So as we look at... um, Acts chapter 2, we're going to just be looking at verses 14 to 21, but really be kind of considering the whole chapter. Um, We'll see that power doesn't come from me or from my strength. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we have power. Here's the three points of a Presbyterian pastor. Power to prophesy. Um, Where's my... Where's my friend that we were talking about being charismatic? Oh, yeah. Power to prophesy. Okay. He's listening with bated breath. Power to unify and power to be fruitful and multiply. So listen as we we read God's holy and inerrant word. That means without error. But Peter standing with the eleven lifted up his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. 
For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, even in, the, sorry, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, we are so grateful for your beautiful word. Um, We pray, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us today. And may, may, may we receive all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. So God has given us his Spirit so that we have power to prophesy. Uh, Verse 17, and in the last days it shall be the... uh, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And this is incredible news um, because no longer is power just given to the leaders of God's community. In the Old Testament, um, the kings were given God's spirit and empowered and the priests were and sometimes others were for special purposes. But um, this is incredible news because this is saying that your sons and your daughters um, will receive this power, um, that even your male servants. And so that basically is saying from the least to the greatest, God is going to empower us as his people. And uh, actually, this kind of thought was opposed in the in the Old Testament. If you remember in, in Numbers 11, a young man ran and told Moses, Eli or sorry, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses, from his youth said, My Lord Moses, stop them. And Moses said to him, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And he was actually foretelling of a time um, when, according to the new covenant, um, all of us would receive the spirit. But what does it mean to prophesy? Uh, Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley full of bones. And he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And so the first thing that we understand from scriptures, and this is really just kind of a Um, almost a demonstration of of a principle throughout scriptures is what it means to prophesy is to speak life to those who 
are, who are in darkness. And really not just to those who are in darkness, it's to one another that we speak words of life and comfort um, and hope um, to others. And what we're doing is we are prophesying, we are pointing to um, really this, this age of salvation that we live in. Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. But also in Revelation, we find that prophecy takes on another aspect. And here John records, then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So prophecy is speaking life to others, but it's also pointing to Jesus as the author of life. In other words, there is no life apart from Jesus. And so we, we can very um, unashamed, uh, unashamedly um, make very clear that there's no life here. You know, that it resides outside of me. Um, in terms of the source. And so as we point to Jesus, we're actually prophesying um, life to others as they have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. So we prophesy whenever we testify to Jesus. It's prophetic to give hope to the hopeless. It's prophetic to bring healing and comfort to the sick. It's prophetic to seek justice for the poor. It's prophetic to be generous with those in need. It's prophetic when we declare that there's no other name under heaven by which man must be saved. We're prophetic when we lovingly challenge sin rather than ignore it. The gospel itself is a prophetic narrative that speaks life to the nations in the name of Jesus. I say to you today, my friends, though even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It's a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream where the words of a modern-day prophet named Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was able to see what was beautiful and call us to it in the name of Jesus. So here's my question. Do you speak words of life or death to others? I mean, we, we're all kind of a mixed bag. But would you say that you're characterized by offering life to others? And if not, ask the Lord to forgive you. Um, whether it's for the bitterness of your heart or the 
unforgiveness of your heart or the unbelief of your heart. Ask the Lord to forgive you and ask him for your Holy Spirit. God has given us the spirit so that we have power to prophesy, but also so that we have power to unify. Verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And I would just suggest that this is not a a picture of separate but equal. They were together. They shared everything. So who were the all that were together? In verse 9, it says Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. There were that day when 3,000 souls were added to the church, 15 different nations that God saved and became as one. And not only just different races, but there were different cultures, there were different economic classes, and they became as one. So why does God empower us to unify? Why does he empower us to be one? And in John... 17, Jesus said, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. So the reason that God has empowered us not only to speak life, Not only to point to Jesus as the author of life, but to come together as one people is because it actually reflects the Trinity itself. It reflects the nature of God. That's why they'll know that we're your disciples by your love is because it reflects God. There's something imprinted within us. It doesn't matter what religion you are. Maybe everybody here uh, are not Christians tonight doesn't matter what your beliefs are. There's something imprinted within us that knows that it's right to come together. Why is that? It's because there is a God who is three in one. There's a unity in the Trinity. And so God calls us to that and empowers us as his people by his Holy Spirit. But also in 1 Corinthians 12... Paul says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, 
as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So not only does unity reflect the Trinity, but it reflects our need for one another. It reflects the fact that I need you as a white man, if you are a black man or a black woman. If, if I am middle class, I need you who are poor. Um, I need the gifting and, and the bends that he has given you as an Asian. Or as a man, um, we need you women. Um, my wife and I have been married 35 years, and um, I am so grateful for her. Um, she is um, just an incredible blessing to me, and it's because I need her. I'm not complete without her, and the truth is, we're not complete without one another. Recently, as a matter of fact, when we went to Nairobi, really everything was incredible, but there were a few um, issues that we had to attend to. And one of them was in the project that my wife started, there was um, one of the women who were uh, was just causing havoc on the team. I mean, she just wouldn't cooperate with the team leader and um, it was just causing a lot of problems. And so we just sat down and I just affirmed just how much she is loved and um, um, how grateful we are for her. But I said, this is a Christian ministry. And um, that means that the, the, the top expectation that we come together with is, um, it, is that, the top, uh, that unity and love is not the top expectation, but that it is the very start of our relationship together. And so I said, would you be willing to respect and, and love um, Malimu, which is the teacher? And she said, well, I'll respect her, but I won't love her. And at least for now, she's refused the power of the Holy Spirit um, to unify. And, you know, we can all be stubborn but the fact of the matter is, is that um, there is no salvation um, alone. Um, that um, how can I say that I love God and, and hate my brother and sister, right? How can I say that I love God who I do not see if I cannot love and come together with you who I do see? God has given us his Holy Spirit so that we can love and have unity, not only with people who are different from us, but also people who are hard for us. You know, and what our fleshly tendency is, um, we get hurt, we get offended. And because you're Southerner, you're still nice, right? But inside, you, you want some distance, right? Um, and what we have to understand is that God has given us power to come together. And that is not, um, that is not an option. That is um, an absolute necessity. 
And I know it's hard. Um, as a matter of fact, it's impossible. Right? On our own. But we're not on our own. God has given us his Holy Spirit. And so if you are struggling with unforgiveness or if you're struggling with bitterness or if you're struggling to um, have love for another, um, that's okay. That's normal. Um, There's not any condemnation to all of our wrestle. What's not okay is not to wrestle honestly with it and to determine in your heart that I am going to forgive. I am going to love. Amen? I didn't hear anything. (laughs) You're going to think about this one. (laughs) Also, do you trust the Holy Spirit to give you love for in unity with someone from another race? Our culture, our our class. Um, And... That is also not easy. Um, it's very easy to stay with people that, that are like us and think like us, but we need each other. And I encourage you to ask God for his spirit if you struggle there. So God has given us his spirit so that we have power to prophesy, so that we have power to unify, and lastly, so that we have power to be fruitful and multiply. Uh, verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Um, God has empowered us as his church to be fruitful and multiply, which means to see others brought from, from death to life. The prophet Isaiah foretold of our fruitfulness. Uh, Isaiah 54, sing, O barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. There's nothing wrong with EE and there's nothing wrong with the four spiritual laws. And um, in Nairobi, there's, uh, there's something called Love Thy Neighbor. There's nothing wrong with any evangelism program. Um, but we can't rely on program, programs to bring fruitfulness. Um, really, where our trust has to be, if we, if we have really no brothers and sisters that we have played a part in bringing from life to death, um, we are those barren ones that God prophesied that we will be fruitful. And the way that we'll be fruitful is just when we rely on the Holy Spirit, when we just ask God, you know, uh, God is not going to give us something evil if we ask for something good, right? And... um, And the opportunity that you guys have um, as students is incredible. Um, Not only just on this campus, but around the community. Um, There's just something magnetic about being young. And um, and so you have an automatic um, opportunity 
you know, just because you're just unashamed to connect with other people. And I just um, encourage you to pray and ask God for fruitfulness. And, um, and part of what he does in making us fruitful is he makes us loving and he makes us concerned for others and he makes us, um, uh, he gives us a heart uh, uh, for the nations of the earth. Obviously, it's impossible for a 100-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman to give birth, and yet the Bible records that Abraham and Sarah were fruitful and multiplied in their old age. And it's just important to understand that it wasn't by their strength and it wasn't by their power that they were able to conceive. Um, just uh, It was by the exact same Holy Spirit um, that we need to bear fruit, um, that they needed to bear a son. Um, so, do you feel spiritually barren of children? Um, ask. And you will receive. Amen? So, in conclusion, God has given us His Holy Spirit so that we have the power to prophesy, so that we have the power to what? Unify. And so that we have the power to be fruitful and multiply. Um, but you may be struggling, so here's some encouragement. First, your weakness and struggles don't disqualify you. Isn't that good news? That, that you being weak is actually a good thing, not a bad thing. According to 2 Corinthians 12, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So, all the time that we're trying to have it together, it's just not even worth the effort because God has placed us as his people in places of weakness in order that he can pour out his spirit on us and show forth his power and his glory and his strength. But secondly, your sin doesn't disqualify you. Um, listen to King David when he confessed his sin. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is, <clears throat> what is evil in, the sight, in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Teach me wisdom in the secret... Or, or, sorry. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew your Holy Spirit 
sorry, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. So the only way our sin defeats us is if we can't admit it. What, what David had the audacity to do is to ask him to bless him as a sinful man. And so not only does our weakness not disqualify us, but our sinfulness doesn't disqualify us because God has provided a throne of grace for us to come to. And the, the, the only thing that disqualifies us is our unwillingness to receive grace. Our unwillingness to believe that God is good to sinful men and women. And then lastly, relying on ourselves does not disqualify us. Um, Galatians 5 talks about the fruits of the spirit and the fruits of the flesh. And, you know, sometimes I just need to be able to kind of reason backwards. And I have to be able to reason. I had to do this recently. Um, I had no joy and love was a chore and um, very little peace. You kind of know the, the routine. And I just had to reason backwards that I just didn't have much of the Holy Spirit, that I needed God. And so, for some reason, I just had the faith to just say, God, give me your Holy Spirit. And it was like God just poured his joy back in. And really, the reason we don't have his Holy Spirit is because we start relying on ourselves. Because God has given us, as his people, his Holy Spirit. And so we just have to have the honesty, whether it's, whether it's I'm weak, whether it's I'm sinful... Whether it's I'm relying on myself, we just have to be honest. We have to stop pretending and we have to just ask God for strength in our weakness. And we have to ask God for forgiveness and we have to ask him for his Holy Spirit. Amen. God is good. Thanks so much for letting me come.